Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the clock on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? Oh, my friend, happy Tuesday to you. What's going on with you? What do you got? Uh, just uh, getting ready for game two, my friend. Oh, getting ready for game two. Must win. Must two. win right here. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, let's not beat yeah. around the bush. You, you, you're you 0-2 at home. You know, with both of those games at home, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble if you're 0-2 losing well, both games at home. So, yeah, I, it is yeah, a must I mean, win. And look at that. The, the Golden State Warriors are in a boatload of trouble. Yeah, they can't win on the road. I know. Sacramento punked them again last night. You know I like that Sacramento team. Oh, I, know <laughs> I, know you do. I, like I know you do. I like that team. They're tough. They're I can, tough. I can tell you. I'm looking up at the highlights right now. I'm looking up at one of the monitors here in the in the studio, and they're showing the replay of Draymond Green basically stomping Demont stomping Sabonis on in the Sabonis, chest. Yeah, man, I watched that game last night, almost beginning to end. I have such Sabonis envy. It's crazy, and not for him specifically, right? Because I know that the Suns were exploring adding him. They did. The for way, DeAndre Ayton, was, the, they, they explored a trade. The way he plays, how hard he plays, how yep. hard that center plays. Yeah, I got have, envy. I have envy for that. I'm watching mm-hmm. him. Just He's a bull in a china shop, man. And I'm watching him. Man, I wish my center would play like that sometimes. You know, I really I really have DeMontis a bonus envy after watching that game last night. Yeah, um... February 28th, 2022. So just over a year ago, I, I tweeted out, a trade for Sabonis was always possible, but unlikely. It was not something we could have ruled out based on his great contract, and he's a good player that makes some sense. But I was told they are not chopping DeAndre Ayton. Does not mean they would not listen, but not chopping. Um, so there was they did yeah, there was talk about Sabonis. They didn't do it. Um, you know, and Sabonis just had to get out of Indiana. He wasn't compatible with Miles Turner. Yeah. And so... You know he's he's a he, he's a five, but he's got the body of a four, so he's got to play the centers. But he's tough. I mean, he's, he's tough so, as nails. He's and, so tough. He plays. The Suns could use a little of that. DeAndre, look, DeAndre's a t- talented player. He's just DeAndre's just a soft player. Yeah. There's been a lot of them. I mean, he's not alone. He's not the only guy that's played center in this league that's been soft. Well, Sabonis envy aside, there's a very important game coming up in oh, about five hours from right now. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Everybody expecting a different level of energy and intensity tonight. Everybody expecting a different result. Game one was an eye-opener. Game two is on our doorstep between the Suns and the L.A. Clippers Gambo. And as we talked about at the very beginning of the show, it better be different starting tonight because if it's not, the Suns are in a world of hurt against the L.A. Clippers in the first round. Yeah, there's no question. It's uh, they got to win this game. And they got to figure out some things. And I can't wait to see what the lineup is and how Monty uses his bench. You know, I'm always fascinated by, you know, substitution patterns and stuff like that. I mean, this warrants it. Um, you know, I, I was on a ESPN radio in New York with Canty and Carlin today, and they asked me about the bench, and I said, listen, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Like, when you've got all your money tied up into four guys, Kevin Durant, super max, Devin Booker, super max, DeAndre Ayton, max, Chris Paul, basically a max. You, you just don't, you know, you can't expect the Suns bench to win all of these battles. They, they will, they'll win some, but 
But night in and night out, you know, series by series, it's very likely that they're going to play an opponent that has a better bench. I mean, we're talking about the Suns playing T.J. Warren and Terrence Ross to get some offense today. Those guys weren't here two months ago. I know, yeah. You know, that's what we're talking about. Josh Okoji, that guy wasn't here last year. Jock Landell, he wasn't here last year. What about Damian Lee? He wasn't here last year. I mean, they, they kind of fixed it on the fly. They fixed it on the fly. A lot of veteran minimum guys and buyout guys and stuff like that. Um, but that's how that's how they did it. So I don't expect that the Suns bench is going to win a lot of battles, but you're hoping that they don't get completely outplayed the way they did the other day. No, that is certainly, I mean, look, there's a lot of different keys to tonight and making it different than what happens Sunday. Certainly that's one of the keys, but I, I think fundamentally you're right. We got to start with the core four for the Phoenix Suns, and, and it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be because of them. It's going to be because they execute better. It's going to be because they play with a higher level of intensity. It's going to be because DeAndre Ayton uh, works harder at the rebounding and works harder on his end. Maybe he'll never be DeMontis Sabonis, but he certainly needs to dial it up a little more than what we saw from Game 1. And certainly it's on Kevin Durant, and it's on Kevin Durant's teammates to bring out the best version of Kevin Durant. I mean, there's you have to you have to dictate to them, and this was kind of the core of Kellen's preview piece this morning on ArizonaSports.com. Rather than sitting back and looking at the Clippers and go, ooh, let's hunt that matchup, or no, let's hunt that matchup, or ooh, let's do this, let's do that. Hey, we got Kevin Durant. We got Devin Booker. We got DeAndre Ayton. We're going to force you to deal with us. We're going to force you to alter your style to accommodate what we're trying to do to you, not vice versa. We've got to see a lot more of that tonight out of the Phoenix Suns, and not so much matchup hunting and where's Zubach and how do we get the isolation that we want and all of that stuff. Go and make them adjust tonight. The better teams... The better teams usually don't make a lot of adjustments. They, and that's, you know, you could say that about the Suns the last couple of years. You try to let other teams, you know, adjust to you. You're the better team. You're the more talented team. You've got better players. You've got, you're healthier. Um, but it did seem like Monty was trying early to, you know, under, to, to understand that he needed some size. And whether you like it or not, he made the change with Tori. Tori didn't, it's not like Tori had a bad game. Oh, no. no it's I mean, Tori played fine. He played, knocked down all his shots like he was good. But, you you know, did you lose something in that? If you didn't have Tory in there and you had a Koji in there, you're almost forced more to get the ball to Durant and Devin Booker. You know, without Tory, one hundred percent. That was one of the the, the the main problems with starting Tory Craig. Is that because he's he's such a decent offensive option? He's not great, but he's decent enough that if you're going to get these ISOs with him and you're going to get him as the screener and rolling to the basket, it's it's easy to fall into the trap of hey, let's just use him and get our points that way. But nobody finds their rhythm and nobody gets into their flow. Devin Booker didn't have a good first quarter. Kevin Durant didn't have a good first quarter. Those guys got to get off tonight. Those guys got to start well. And I'll, I, I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm assuming that Monty's going to start Josh Okoge tonight, but then does he does he stick with it? Is he stubborn? Does he, no, really, I know this is going to work. I know this is the right thing to do because everybody, 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 everybody at Gamble is telling him he needs to start Josh Okoge. And I just wonder if he's going to go with the tide or if he's going to continue to kind of sail against the tide. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I don't know. Um, 
eight, eight games with Durant in the regular season. The Koji played all. Koji played all eight games, and they looked good, right? They didn't, but they weren't tested. They weren't challenged, and and you know, Monty, Monty had a lot of time to think about the Clippers. He had a lot of time. He had a week to think about what he wanted to do, and he decided that he wanted a little bit more size out there. Now, Torrey Craig, the majority of his shots were just hitting open ten foot jump shots. Yes, yes. So I don't care who it is that that's out there. I mean, if if those guys have to take those shots, the Clippers. That's what the Clippers are giving you, right? So if you're if you're a Tory Craig or Josh Okogie or anybody, do you pass up an open ten footer because they're not going to guard you? They're doubling and they're trapping and they're helping and they're doing those things. Do you do you pass that up because hey, I got to get the ball to Kevin Durant. I don't. I shouldn't take this open ten footer. The Suns have to do more to free up Durant. That's what they need to do. They need to. They have to do more things to free up Durant. Sitting in the corner by himself, you're not doing anything to free him up. No, no, he can't just stand there and be some kind of decoy. He can't, as Kellen put in his piece today, he can't play the Cam Johnson role, right? Like you, you've got to get him. In Involved in actions, and I think they will tonight. And I think Kevin Durant will make sure he's involved in more actions tonight. I, I heard that Windhorst cut that that Eric just played a second ago, and I do believe Kevin Durant will will make sure that the ball is in his hands more often tonight. You and I both talked yesterday about pace and the slow pace in which they played, and, and I, I think a lot of that was that matchup hunting. I think a lot of that was kind of analyzing what the Clippers were doing and spending too much time thinking about it rather than just doing your thing. Monty Williams talked about it yesterday. He goes, yeah, the the pace has to get better, but it's not just bringing the ball up faster. It's also moving the ball more. Or when they have Zubac on Tori or that kind of thing, it shouldn't slow us down. It's... I liken it to a zone, you know, that's what they want. They want you to slow down, and that's not what we do. So that's one adjustment that we all know we have to make. And that should lead to more three-point attempts than the 19 they had the other night in Game 1, which everybody acknowledges is just way too low. We played really slow. Uh, Our start was slow. Uh, The ball movement wasn't where it needs to be. They had some weird lineups out there and weird matchups, and we just didn't. Identify it fast enough on the fly, uh, and that—that's on me to get us in those spots to take advantage of. Uh, but a lot of it starts with getting a defensive stop. When we get a lot of our threes, they're in transition where we live at the rim or we shoot threes. Nineteen threes in a game like that—that's way too low. Safe to say, I think you and I are both expecting a very different level of everything tonight out of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and one of those things, honestly, is look—you're not gonna—you're not gonna try—you're not gonna cover Russell Westbrook. You're going to help on Kawhi and other guys. So, uh, But you have to be aware of where he is when the shot goes up. And that's something that they have to do. I get it. You know, the best If you're covering him, he's not going to get those rebounds. And the reason why Russell Westbrook gets all those offensive rebounds is because nobody guards him. Nobody guards him. If you're guarding him, he's not going to get all of those. But you still have to be aware of where he is because of his ability to just sneak in because nobody's guarding him and go around people and through people and grab these rebounds. That's got to stop. They've got to figure out something to make sure that they're aware after the shot goes up of identifying where he is because he is a good offensive rebounder. They are the hottest tickets in town and you can score them. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word ticket to 620-620. Register. Then listen for your name today in the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for game two tickets to see the Suns and the Clippers tonight. Again, text ticket to 620-620. Well, guess who is officiating tonight's game? Yeah. Let's have that conversation next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home. 
of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. All right, I knew this was going to come up. I just didn't know when. It was inevitable. It was bound to happen. Here it is. Scott Foster is officiating tonight's game, too, between the Suns and the Clippers. <laughs> it was coming. It was inevitable. It was inevitable. He was bound, it was inevitable. He was bound to referee one of these games one of these days. Now, I would, I would imagine most Suns fans know the backstory. Chris Paul, Scott Foster. Chris Paul has not won a playoff game in a decade that Scott Foster has been the referee for. You saw this news, so did I. What was your reaction when you saw it? I, you you got to get over it. Like, you got to get past it. Like, I just like it. Not, like, this is nonsense. Like, it's nonsense. Like, it's, it is. It's, I mean, there are other guys on the court, you know, playing. I, I don't think that Scott Foster purposely goes out there and says, I got it in for Chris Paul. I'm going to make sure he call goes against the Suns. I can't stand this guy. Listen, a lot of referees don't like Chris Paul, okay? But if Scott Foster was doing a bad job, do you not think the NBA would be like, oh, come on? Man, like I, I see what you're doing here. Like you, you're not gonna you're not gonna do any more of their games. You're not gonna do any games. If he was if he was cheating, they would know it. Okay, these referees get they get graded all the time. The league, the GMs send in film every single day on calls that they say, okay, look at this, look at this, look at this. And the NBA reviews all of them. They have to. Like he's not blatantly going out there and trying to screw Chris Paul over. It is what it's a crazy coincidence. That's all it is, Bernsey. It's a Crazy coincidence, but there's nothing to it. Scott Forster doesn't have it out for Devin, for Chris Paul. The Suns just have to get past this and play. They just got to play better. Play better. Uh, Chris Paul, according to the uh, write-up on brightsideofthesun.com from Dave King, Chris Paul has lost 14 straight playoff games, including the last four with the, the Suns, in which Scott Foster was the referee. That includes game two of round one a year ago against the Pelicans at home. Does that game sound familiar to you? It should, because that's also the same game Devin Booker went down with a hamstring pull. Did that have anything to do with Scott Foster? Or did it have to do with the fact no. that Devin Booker suffered a hamstring pull and the Pelicans just absolutely destroyed the Suns at home? I mean, it, there's 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 a correlation there, but that doesn't necessarily equal cause. Devin Booker, and there's another game where you go back to two years ago. We were talking about this during the break. The Valley Oop game. The, the Jay Crowder to DeAndre Eaton game right. two. That, that was, was crazy. a Scott Foster refereed game, but Chris Paul didn't play in it, and the Suns won. Almost lost. Almost lost. Could have lost, but didn't lose. And, and ultimately, the referees got the right call at the end of the game when it came to, to that. This is Brian Windhorst. He was on with Wolf and Luke today. He's like, come on, guys. Really? It absolutely shouldn't. Um, I mean, I know that you can certainly find a highlight package where Chris and Scott have gotten into each other, but like Kevin Durant has won. I think I looked at the stats. I think Durant is six Sixteen and nine with Scott Foster as his playoff uh, referee. <laughs> you know, I understand why it's interesting, and it's just a delicious topic. Right. <laughs> and you know, Scott definitely has moments where he can be a little, maybe more in the spotlight than you'd like an official to be. But it's very, very reductive. That's not how playoff games are decided. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's an odd coincidence. Like fourteen in a row, really? Yeah. Fourteen, like, like you'd be hard pressed to find something that's like. 
crazier than that when you look at coincidences. But that's just, that's all it is. I mean, it's a crazy run, run of bad luck when Chris Paul plays and Scott. Now, if somebody else was officiating, I mean, would it still be 14 losses? I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe a couple of calls, you know, affect the, because calls do affect the outcome of close basketball games. But here's the thing. Like, the, the, you, you can't think about that. As a Suns fan, the players aren't thinking about it. I hope not. You don't, you don't think, I don't think that, that Devin, Kevin Durant comes into the, comes into the locker room today. Man, we're screwed. Scott Foster's roughing this game. Oh, man, we're done. We're going to be down 0-2. They're not thinking like that. I hope And not. you can't think like that as a Suns fan either. I- but it will be fun if they do lose the game to blame it on Scott Foster because you always need somebody to blame. <laughs> will be nothing fun about blaming this on Scott Foster because it means they're down 0-2. Oh, yeah, that and would not be fun. There's nothing fun about that scenario at all because they're down no. 0-2 with both those games. At the but home. people will blame, they, oh, they will blame oh, him. Of course they were. Of, of course they will. Here's here's one more from Windhorse, and then uh, I'll, I'll share a thought that I had this morning morning when this Scott Foster news came This will not be decided by the officiating. There's a lot of stuff that happened out there. There's a lot of maneuvers going back and forth. Monty is under way more uh, pressure to deliver than Scott Foster tonight. Totally agree. And I I agree with everything that you've said on this topic, and I really don't want to give this a lot of jet fuel. I really, really don't. And I I don't plan on giving it a lot of jet fuel. But I will say this. For the Phoenix Suns are a team that you and I have both noted, especially over the last couple of months, that gets awfully obsessive about officiating, right? Arguing calls and and trying to get their point of call. Sometimes to distraction. Sometimes yes. to the point where it's, I hope Scott Foster's presence on the floor doesn't fuel that even more, right? I do worry about that a little bit because the Suns, man, it's like, you, I, I liken it to, you know me, I've got like a really bad sweet tooth, right? Like, and if, and if I'm trying to cut down on my sweets, the worst thing in the world for me to do is go to crumble cookie and stand there and try not to eat the cookies, oh, right? Man, those cookies uh, are they're, good. They're so good, right? They're so they good, but, good, but I, I'll gobble five of them and not even think twice about it, all right? And really? when I work, no self-control? Oh, none. Not when it, if not very little when when I'm in when I'm in that bad space where it's sweets just sound great I've very mm. little self control about it and that's and that's they a got good, a they got a featured Oreo birthday cake oh, cookie this just month stop just thick stop. Oreo cookie Seriously. with crumbs covered in cake batter cream cheese frosting oh. and topped with more Oreo oh. crumbs and rainbow sprinkles Wait, you Jersey, put your phone away stop ordering do stop you, ordering do you know that off the top of your head or do you just I'm look looking that up. at it right oh, now okay. I was gonna say, if you knew that off the top of your head I'd be a little frightened no I'm you. just I looked it up I'm but, like I, but, I want one but that to me is the analogy that to me is the metaphor is that the Suns need to have some self control tonight okay they need to they need to be me at a crumble cookie going you know what I'm good with just one or I'll just cut one in half and I'll have just half I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go in here and go crazy about this because the Suns do have a tendency to lose their minds a little bit when it comes to officiating and I just hope Scott Foster's mere presence doesn't cause them to give in to that desire you know to give in to that. That's, I'm more worried about that and how they react to this than whether Scott Foster is out there deliberately trying to throw games for the Phoenix Suns or not. I think that they've got so many other things that they're trying to worry about and fix. Get off to a a faster start. Play with more pace. uh, Try to get some offensive rebounds. Stop letting Russell Westbrook crash. Make sure that KD touches the ball more. I mean, all of those things are going to come before, oh, that's that's Scott Foster referring the game. You know, so I, I don't I don't think it'll right. be a factor. I mean, but you know, I'm sure we've said this many times in the past. Like, it shouldn't be a factor, and it's 14 times in a row now with Chris Paul. I don't, 
I, I don't like I said. I don't. I kept what 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 he said when to us say Durant is like sixteen and seven. Yes, yes. So Durant's got a good record with him reffing. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and it's it's. I'm like he's refed regular season games, and they won. It's a, it's a, that's true. That's true. I, I mean, yeah. that, and that was something else that Bright Side of the Sun pointed out in their story. I'm scrolling down to the number right now. Um, hold on, give me a minute. Here it is. Suns are two and one in Foster refed games this year. Three and two in regular season games since Chris Paul came to the Valley, but they're zero and four in the playoffs. I, it's. I, I hope. I hope. You're right, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. This, to me, cannot be a big deal, should not be a big deal, should not be given fuel to be a big deal. Suns have 14 other things on their list that are far more important important than Scott Foster being the referee of tonight's game. I hope they look at it the same way. Yep, it's just that once he got, once he got, like like everywhere else in the country, this isn't a big deal, but in Phoenix, that's a big deal. Uh Texas, your thoughts on this, and I'm sure you've got some, on the FanDuel text line at 6 620 right now if you're listening here on the Burns and Gambo show. When we come back, he threw a gem yesterday in the Diamondbacks game one win against the St. Louis Cardinals. Merrill Kelly will join us to talk about that and the start he's off to next only on Arizona Sports. The Clubhouse Call-In with Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A weekly visit with a Diamondbacks player and watching yesterday's game during the show and then after the show. I just kind of had a feeling that today it was going to be Merrill Kelly. Six innings, five hits, one run allowed, no walks, three strikeouts. Got his first win of the year. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line from the Arizona Diamondbacks, Merrill Kelly here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Merrill, welcome back to the program, man. How you doing today? I'm doing well, man. What's going on with you guys? Good to have you back on the show, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, two great starts in a row. Six no-hit innings against Milwaukee before you gave up that hit. Uh, and then yesterday, just a terrific outing. you got to feel really good after those first two outings to bounce back with the way you've pitched. Yeah, you know, still kind of getting the ebb and flow of the season. Uh, still super early on, obviously, those first couple games. Just get them out of the way. Uh, I'm coming back from kind of a weird buildup with the WBC. Um, but, yeah, feeling pretty good. Every, uh, you know, kind of putting one foot in front of the other. Every game's getting a little bit better and a little bit better. So I think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, let's talk about that, the WBC, because, you know, representing your country, playing for Team USA, I mean, that was a big deal. You got to start the final game. Uh, how did it affect your, your ramp up to start with the D-backs when you're participating in games that have so much meaning? Yeah, I think it was more just kind of getting the pitches and getting the innings in that we normally do in spring training that I just kind of missed out on. Um, obviously, the WPC was an incredible experience. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, trade it for kind of anything in the world. Um, and if that means that I kind of had to, you know, go through the, the rest of the build-up process as we got kind of into the first couple games of the season, uh, then so be it. Um, I think, you know, I think we'd be naive to think that, um, you know, I was probably not as ready going into the season as I have in previous seasons, just because of, like I said, kind of the up downs and and the amount of innings that we normally get. Um, but like I said, we're we're moving in the right direction, and you know, we're feeling pretty good so far. So I'm happy with where I'm at. There are are pitchers in your position who have declined uh, gracefully, declined invitations to participate in the WBC. Would, would you 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 would have no second thoughts if they asked you to do it again, or if you were asked to advise pitchers or whether they were thinking about it? Would you advise them to do it despite some of the limitations that come with it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I would probably encourage everybody to do it. Um, the experience was incredible. Uh, just those games are unlike any games I think I've really been or ever been a part of. The electricity and, you know, like it's different. I think it's a kind of a different uh, aspect from the fans, right? It's not like you're just rooting for your, your Diamondbacks or your, you know, Brewers or uh, Cardinals. You know, you're rooting for the whole country. And I think the, the fact that the whole country is behind you, um, I think, makes those games just make a, a little bit more intense. Um, you know, everybody's got everything different going on in their own careers Um, you know people are at different stages at different parts people are still trying to get you know some security and then make sure that they're okay with you know getting through arbitration or getting through wherever they need to get to to get a contract Um, you know some people are have already gotten that and they they feel that their uh, you know their loyalty and their responsibility falls with whatever team is is giving them that contract and that trust on on being that guy for that team so all the reasons why people don't do it I completely understand Um, and don't blame anybody for not doing it Um, I think if a lot of guys that uh, I think if a lot of guys that a lot of other people would have liked to have said yes and a guy like me might not have been able to get that opportunity Um, so I'm definitely blessed and grateful that I was able to you know experience it but everybody's got their own stuff going on but I would always encourage doing it because the experience was uh, you know once in a lifetime for me for sure Merrill Kelly from the Diamondbacks our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show D-backs in the St. Louis Cardinals game two of that series is coming up later this afternoon in terms of getting ready for the season. I read some comments on AZ Central's website today from you after yesterday's start. The pitch clock and and, and not having that at the WBC, uh, it, it apparently was a little bit of an issue for you last night and continues to be kind of a learning curve. How, are, how has that kind of factored in to you not having the normal spring training and certainly not having that time to get used to these new rules in place? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a learning curve for everybody. Um, I can sit here and try to make excuses that I didn't have it for spring training or whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I need to be more aware of, of my situation. And I think the game kind of just maybe sped up on me a little bit last night. Um, you know, I was thinking just throw the pitch before the clock ran out, not realizing that obviously there's somebody on base. I'm allowed to have, you know, two disengagements while that's going on. Um, so I saw the clock and, and kind of – got sped up like I said Mm -hmm. Um, you know I'm happy that it's getting out of the way in the beginning of the year obviously rather than the later parts of the year Um, and I'm happy that it didn't kind of come back to to bite us in the ass last night Um, but it's definitely got to be on me to kind of be more aware of my situation and realize that um, even even with the new rules um, I understand the new rules and I need to just be kind of more aware of them in that in those settings in that situation. Yeah, I saw you talking to the ump after the uh, the balk was called in the sixth inning. What, what 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 did he say to you about that? Uh, I mean, he basically told me there was a couple different options. I could either you know try to roll through it and balk, which I did, um, or I could take the ball and let the clock run out so that way the guy wouldn't have gotten uh, to move to advance I would have just taken the ball instead of that but like I said in that moment um, me forgetting that there's somebody on base I can step off in that moment and reset the clock um, is ultimately what I should have done alright so that's a learning experience I guess right yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's going to be multiple times throughout this season that I'm sure I'm not the only one who's, you know, kind of had some brain farts on, on what the new rules are and what the clock is. I think the more we go along and everybody gets kind of a year under their belt, I think everything will smooth out. But I think until then, you're, you're probably going to see, uh, I would imagine you're probably going to see some blunders from not just me. 
I, I thought you were. I thought you had a great game yesterday. I thought the you know, the double play in the first inning, and you know you covering the bag. That was a big one. I mean, you had the one nothing lead. You don't want to give him anything there. I thought that was big. I thought the double play in the fifth too with uh, with Newt Bar. I thought that was a big play. But then the Arenado strikeout. I mean, after Contreras got the run in, you know, to come back and get Arenado right there. I mean, that's you know that's one of the toughest hitters in all of baseball. So you had to really bear down. You were coming to the end of your outing. That was a that was a huge pitch sequence for you to get him out yeah i was i was definitely happy he swung at that changeup. that's for sure um another guy on third base a chance for them to score another run um and like you said obviously nolan's reputation speaks for himself he's you know one of the best players one of the best third basemen maybe of all time um but yeah i was i was happy to get that i knew um I knew that I didn't want to get past him. I knew that if he got on base and something probably good happened for them as well, that it could kind of start getting out of control. Um, but you touched on the double plays. Obviously, the defense did a really, really good job last night. Um, there was a couple balls even hit really hard, and uh, our guys did a good job gobbling them up. Merrill Kelly, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You obviously have been around this organization and pitched this organization now for a number of years. Describe the the different vibe and the different energy and the different, you know, everything that's kind of around the team right now with the start that you're off to, with the infusion of the youth, with the way that they're playing. What's it what's it like going to work every day right now, Merrill? Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. I think we have a good mix of guys. Um, definitely going into this year, and, and with just the get the ball that we've been playing so far. Um, I mean, I can honestly sit here and say that other than maybe 2019, you know, 2019 we had a really good team. We won, I think, 85 games that year. Um, but as far as that, this is definitely the best. Um, as far as top to bottom um, starters, relievers, um, you know, obviously position players, I think it's probably the best team that I've been on since I've been here. Um, um, but like you said, with the with the touch of youth that we have, it, it keeps things interesting, keeps everybody on their toes. And then, you know, we've got the guys on the other end that, uh, you know, the Evan Longoria's, the Andrew Chasen's, the guys that have been around for, you know, quite a while now to kind of balance all that out. Um, but I think we have a, I think we have a really good baseball team, and I think we have a chance to win a lot of baseball games. From your perspective as a pitcher, looking at it from kind of the other side of the equation, when you have that much speed in the lineup, how, how much can that impact an opposing pitcher? How much can that get in the head of guys? When when they're on the mound or catchers when they're when they're knowing that's out there and that's something to be dealt with how much of a factor can that be yeah i mean just like we touched about last night with me you know kind of having that uh lapse of judgment as far as with runners on and the pitch clock going on um, even with quick guys on on the bases without the pitch clock it's it's a headache right um yeah you know, us as pitchers we've all had guys in our time that we just whatever we say that whatever we want to do is just don't let this guy get on first base because he's going to run um, and I think we have probably at least four or five options that uh, we all have they all have to honor for that so you throw the speed and, and the willingness to run and the, and the hunger to actually uh, you know, move up a base whenever they can, and then you sprinkle in you know the disengagement rule and the uh, the pitch clock. I think a lot of teams are going to have a pretty big headache facing us. You know, before opening day, I mean, every team believes that they have a shot that they can do something special. Um, you guys are in a tough division. Teams have spent a lot of money. The Dodgers and the Padres. How much confidence did the success you had early, you know, early against those teams do for you guys to where you might be able to continue this all season long? 
Yeah, I think it did a lot. Um, I think everybody in the clubhouse definitely had an idea that we were going to be pretty good going into the season. But, you know, obviously until the lights turn on and, and you start knocking down, you know, numbers of games, you don't quite know what you got. Um, and the teams that we faced, obviously, those those two teams the, out, the, out of the gate, the two teams that we've probably had, not probably, the two teams that we've definitely had, you know, the most trouble with by far um, as far as the last three seasons ago. So I think to be able to, you know, go through those series and, and come out with a good amount of wins, I, I think it just kind of uh, cemented that, you know, we did think we were a good team, but I think that kind of just, I know it's really early and I know we've got a long way to go, but I think for us that just kind of showed everybody that, you know, we can compete in this division and I think we're going to be, you know, as good as we think we are. Merrill, congrats again on the performance last night. We appreciate the time, as always. I'm sure we'll talk to you again at some point during the season. Thanks again for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Merrill. Merrill Kelly joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Gambo, I did want to point this out before we send it to break. A slight change to the Diamondbacks lineup today. We don't have any more details. Corbin Carroll was a late scratch. He is not in today's lineup. Ooh, so okay. Don't know why. He was in, let's see, they about an hour ago, they sent out their lineup, and he was batting sixth, playing in center. Now Alec Thomas is playing in center field and he is batting ninth today. So I don't know if you can find anything out about that this close to the game, but Corbin Carroll, a late scratch. He's not in today's lineup for the Diamondbacks. I'll try to find out what it's worth. I appreciate that. Thank you. Score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word ticket to 620-620. Register. Listen for your name today during the 5 o'clock hour. It's your chance to qualify for Game 2 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers tonight. Again, text the word ticket to 620-620. We pivot back to the Phoenix Suns. This Clippers team able to throw all sorts of things at the Suns in Game 1. Why? How? We'll get some Clippers insights next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. Suns Clippers game two of this best of seven first round series coming up tonight here on Arizona Sports, the flagship home of the Phoenix Suns. And joining us right now, the beat writer who covers the L.A. Clippers for clutch points, Tomer Azarli on the Burns and Gambo show. Uh, Tomer, welcome to town. I know you've been in town for the last couple of days. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Talk about this series. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. The weather's been good. It's been good so far, so it's been great. Yeah, you got us at a good time. It's going to start getting hotter, but it's it, it's fine right now. Let, let's let, let's talk about that game one. I think we were all surprised that you know with no Paul George and uh, that the Suns lost at home. But the Clippers did a lot of things right. The Suns did a lot of things wrong. Give me give me your interpretations of what you felt the Clippers did well in that game. Yeah, I think they just did a good job of um, getting themselves extra possession. I mean, um, you look strictly at the offensive boards. I think they had about eleven offensive, fifteen offensive rebounds. Um, that's just you know nine possessions off offensive rebounds alone. Uh, we're not even talking about the, the the two offensive rebound dead balls that you know Russell Westbrook was able to force late in the game um, to, to you know kind of cut down under the clock. So I think they did a good job of just forcing the Suns into tough shots and um, really just getting themselves extra possessions. Those ended up being the difference in the end. Uh, you know. Locking Booker and deflecting it off of him uh, at the end there, just 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 all the. 
the extra intangible plays, uh, the Clippers kind of kind of nailed those. And uh, I think the, I think the Suns were kind of just uh, it felt like they were in a bit, a bit of a feel out game, trying to feel each other out. I think it's only their ninth game together uh, that game one, so. I think they're still. It looked like they were still trying to figure out, you know, not trying to step on anyone's toes and uh, figure each other out. So um, I expect them to win that game one, but it, it kind of went about as I expected. A tight game both ways. Everyone kind of keying in on some of the stars and uh, the intangibles ended up pulling through. Oh, we 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 noticed. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Gimble. My bad. I, I apologize. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the bench too. Like one of the, the, you know, we knew the Clippers had a better bench and a deeper bench. I mean, the Suns have all their money tied up to four guys. It's hard for them to, you know, build the bench the, the bench the way they used to in the past. When they they didn't have all that money tied into them, their main guys, but it was a clear advantage right. for the Clippers. Every Suns player in the, on their bench was a minus, and every Clippers player was was a plus. The, those bench guys really did a good job. Without Paul George, those bench guys did a good job of supporting Kawhi in that game. Yeah, I think especially that that end of the third quarter run where I think the, the Suns went on a 15-0 run, took about an eight-point lead with about a, uh, two minutes left in the third quarter, and it looked like that was a bit of a, a point where the Clippers could have either you know lost that game or, or come back. And the bench unit ran off eight straight, tied at the 81, entering the fourth quarter, and uh, I think that was kind of a big moment in the game where he really could have gotten either way at that point. I think the crowd was going, uh, Phoenix just had everything kind of clicking on all cylinders, um, and, and the bench made a big run there. I know. Um, and they didn't even play particularly well, if we're being honest. Uh, Terrence Mann has four turnovers. Uh, their key guards in Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, and, and Norman Powell shot a combined two of ten from three. And the way the Suns are going to guard Kawhi Leonard, whether they blitz him, double him, whatever it might be, uh, those guys are going to have to knock down shots. And they were doing it a pretty, pretty poor clip. Uh, you add Russell Westbrook in there, that's three of 16 uh, from three alone. So um, I, I think, in a way, there's, there's, there's room for the Clippers to improve here. They turned the ball over 13 times and a shoot around today and, and, you know, availability yesterday. They talked about valuing the basketball, um, not turning the ball over. They only had 13, three more turnovers in the Suns, but uh, that was kind of the key for them, getting back in transition, because Phoenix also had 25 transition points on them the other night. Uh, so those are kind of the keys for them entering tonight's game. Tamara Zarley, the uh, beat writers covers the beat writer, I should say, who covers the LA Clippers for Clutch Points, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. I, I want to ask you about uh, Kawhi, and I want to ask you about Westbrook. I'm going to start with Westbrook first. Given that you cover the team every single day, is that, you know, for those who don't watch the Clippers every single day, you think about Russell Westbrook, you think about the past and what he used to be able to do. Is that more in line with what you expected out of Westbrook? I mean, I'm sure everybody wants him to shoot better, but that other stuff that he did, how big of a surprise was that to you, what he was able to do? I mean, I think anyone who tells you they expected that kind of game uh, outside of the shooting would be lying to you. Um, you know, I think you, you expect the aggressiveness, the competitiveness. Um, but, you know, historically speaking, I think he hasn't – he's been a, a decent defender. I don't think he's been, like, an excellent defender or a poor defender. He's just been kind of in the middle there. Um, and I think that uh, just his overall play, I, I've been saying this the last couple of weeks, but it feels like just having that peace of mind of, you know, a, a team that wants you, there's no – really nothing toxic going around the team. It's, it's all kind of positive. Uh, I think that's had a positive impact on Westbrook and just being able to play basketball, being at home still in L.A., uh, being able to focus on basketball with guys that want him, a coaching staff that wants him, a coaching staff that communicates with him what they want from him. You know, midway through that game, I think Westbrook was about one of ten from the field, two of ten from the field, and, and, and Teron Lou told him, hey, you know, you do so much more for us than just scoring. Like, we don't need you to score the basketball. You can, but um, you do everything else for us as well. And 
you know, we saw some some huge deflections for offensive rebounds. Um, you know, some key assists leading to open baskets, uh, big offensive rebounds, and obviously the biggest play of the game was, was not only the block but the deflection on Devin Booker. There were ten seconds left, yeah. essentially sealing the game. So, um, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I expected that kind of performance, all around performance. Um, you know, the, the shooting definitely has to be there uh, better because you know there, there were points where it felt like he was kind of shooting them out of that game. Uh, but the all around performance of the shooting was was you know second to none. I would say, just as far as the, the, the defense and the extra effort plays that he was getting. So it, it was a great great night outside of the shooting, honestly. I, I was not surprised to read the comments by Coach Lou after the game in, in which he basically sort of suggested that they were saving up Kawhi for this moment, for him to be able to go 41 minutes and, and the 38 points. How, how much of a payoff was it for the organization to basically save Kawhi, rest Kawhi, load manage Kawhi over the course of the season for this moment? How much, how much vindication do you think the organization has for the payoff that they got the other night? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he, 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 there, were, there were two games there at the end of the season where he played, I believe, the entire second half. I think it was the, the Phoenix game and the Laker game. Um, he'd been, he'd been, he, he only missed, like, one half of the back-to-back in kind of the end of the year there. And um, I know seeding was important to them, but they, at the end of the day, they, they really just prioritized getting to the playoffs, getting a top-six seed, because they figured once they get there um, – as we saw, anything can happen. Uh, injuries can can, can pop up, uh, but also the right matchup. You know, we all know playoffs are all about matchups. You get a, a matchup that works out for you. Um, two kind of slower paced team who don't like to run as much. Uh, a lot of isolation centric offenses. Um, it could work out for you. And I think you know we saw a lot of that with Kawhi. He's, he's very methodical. He's you know I was talking about it with with a colleague today. There's no no wasted movements in uh, in his game. He, he knows what he wants to do. He gets to his spots and. He either takes a shot if it's there, or he passes it out. But he's he's very efficient and methodical and strategic in in, in his offensive game on the court. So, um, not really surprised by what he's doing. But you know, for a, you know, first playoff game in, in two two years, you know, first one since the ACL tear, uh, it was definitely a, you know, hey, I'm here, I'm back type of moment. And uh, you know, thirteen of twenty four shooting. It was a big game. It was a big game for Kawhi. It was a very big game. We've seen reports that Paul George has been ruled out for the for the first series. I don't think there's anything official from the Clippers. Would you be Would you be surprised if he if this goes to seven games? Would you be surprised if he made an entrance in that game, or is all the attention for him coming back maybe on another series? Oh. Uh, that's tough because we, we like to call the playoffs kind of a chess match, right? And I think the chess match kind of goes beyond the court uh, at this point. There's um, keeping the opponents on, on, on their toes, you know? Um, is PG going to play? Is he going to come back? Uh, you know, maybe he's not close. And some of the footage we're being able to see is um, trying to get the Suns in their head a little bit, you know? Um, I think all that can play a factor in it. Uh, I think the Clippers have kind of been operating under the assumption that they'll have to get out of the first round in order to see Paul George return. Uh, just before this series started, we spoke to head coach Teron Lou, and he was saying that, you know, PG's improving, and it's, it's been encouraging to see the signs, but they're not going to bring him back. They're not going to risk any possible re-injury um, until he's close to 100% or at 100%. I mean, you can never really be 100% at this point in the season, but as long as there's no risk to re-injury, uh, re-injure that, that sprained right knee, and, and he's you know good to go, able to, to do the necessary movements laterally, vertically. Um, the conditioning is there. They, they really want to make sure he's conditioned. Um, then I think we could see him. If you look at Paul George's career historically, um, when he's coming off, off a, a bit of a layoff from injury, 
Uh, he always has a really good game, uh, first game back, and that's because his conditioning is up to par. He's, he's really worked himself into game shape as much as possible. So um, if he's able to return at some point in the series, which I'm, I'm still not sure about, but if he is, um, they'll make sure he's close to 100% and ready to go. So, Mayor, we appreciate the time. Enjoy your stay here in sound. Hopefully the, uh, the weather treats you right while you're here. We appreciate it, all right? It's been fantastic. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you it. it. Tamara Azerly, Clutch Points beat writer, covers the LA Clippers, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, we'll continue to focus on Suns Clippers Game 2. Plenty that needs to improve for Game 2. What are some of the quote-unquote easy fixes for tonight's game? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo.